0: So, it's January and I hate the winter. Um, Anybody else here hate the winter? I used to love the winter, but now I find it good for two things. First of all, losing all the weight that I've gained from September through December, which is like my official weight gain season. I have two seasons to my life, weight loss season and weight gain season, which is why you all say, boy, Alex really fluctuates in weight a lot. Yes, I know I do. And as I approach my mid-30s, I probably have to think about that effect on my heart and actually bring an end to that uh, yearly um, consistency. So I lose my weight that I've gained during the winter, but I also usually try to take the time to read a lot of books and sort of recalibrate and refocus around what's most important. And one of the things I like to do is every January start us off by reviewing where we are as a church where we're headed, uh, how'd last year go, what's on the docket for next year. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, I, I have five things that I would like to get to. I'm probably going to only get to two of them. Um, so so the first thing I'm just going to talk about and get over with is, is church finances, because I know you're all very excited to hear about the church financial situation. Um, but it is important, and Polaris is an independent church. And so we are supported entirely by our church family. Uh, essentially, what goes into the offering plate on Sunday mornings is is what supports Polaris. Now, we have um, fixed expenses in it, like the cinema and the children's center in our offices over there. We, we rent that, so there's that monthly thing, the utilities, uh, payroll for myself and Marcus and Dave, and then um, the preschool essentially runs itself. Um, in talking through church finances, and if you're new to Polaris, I mean, this is for, like, Polaris family, those of you that that um, support us and we're your church and all that. If you're new to Polaris or just checking us out, you know, holster your wallet and your checkbook. We're not going to shake you down today. Um, the way Polaris works is is we have an, an elder board, and uh, our elders oversee and protect Polaris, And financially, the policies that they write would say that I have to produce a budget that is based on conservative numbers and that balances. And it's their job to look at my proposal and say, okay, and by conservative it basically means is the income that's expected on Sunday mornings realistic and is the spending in line with that realistic income expectation. And so they're gonna and, and and then does it also reflect the values of Polaris Christian church that God has given us. And so the elder board is going to look at that budget and say, yes it's conservative, yes it balances, yes it reflects assuming that it does. So we approve it. And then they're going to monitor on a regular basis whether or not I'm overseeing a church that spends in accordance with that balanced budget. So your takeaway from today in terms of church finances is this. We have a balanced, conservative budget, essentially bare bones, um, that balances so long as giving is consistent. And so that might be your action. I mean, your takeaway is we are okay financially in the sense that we have a reasonable, conservative budget that balances. You know, we're not projecting closing the doors in May. Um, But the takeaway for you, if you're a part of Polaris, is that the important piece in this is consistency. Um, We have plenty of generosity in our Polaris family. The important thing is that it's consistent. What I mean by that is this. So let's just say that you give $50 a week when you come to Polaris. The important thing with consistency is that when you miss a week, you set that money aside and make up. And that's what provides consistent income throughout the year, which is important to our budget because there's not a lot to cut, but it is conservative and it does balance. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16 tells the followers of Jesus there in Corinth to set aside at the beginning of the week the money that they're going to give to God because he knows, which is still true today, if we wait to give to God what's left over, if you're like me, it ain't going to happen so So consistency is the big deal. I mean, we don't need to manipulate, we don't need to shake you down. There's plenty of generosity to meet our budget and to thrive as a church. Um, if everybody is just consistent and gives consistently <laughs> And some other third word. Um, <clears throat> the one thing I will say, and this is this is more for myself, this is kind of selfish. Um, in order to maintain a consistent budget, or a, I just want to use that word today. It's the word of the day. Whenever he says consistency, scream real loud. Remember that? You ever watch Pee-wee Herman's Playhouse, Pee-wee's Playhouse? Um, What's the name of that robot that he used to give him? anyway. Anyway. Um, in order to conservative, in order to maintain a conservative budget, we did have to l- let go. We had to uh, lay off our longtime um, office manager, a- assistant, administrative assistant, Linda, um, this past July. And, and the reason I want you to know that is, first of all, yes, we have a, a, a conservative budget that balances, but we're not really on all cylinders with it. But that's the case with a lot of businesses and people right now. The main reason I want you to know that is because Linda put in 27 hours as a detail maniac, and now we don't have that 27 hours of detail maniacy. I'm a wordsmith today, um, so I'm asking you to extend us some grace. Now it was July, and you know we're still paying bills and things like that, but I just want you to know that we know we're going to drop some details because we are not detail freaks. She was. Just heads up. I, I guess there's one other thing that while we're talking about about giving, I'm going to move this clock real quick. You can see we're a laid-back environment here. Um, <clears throat> while, we're, while we're talking about um, um, giving, I, I, I want to go beyond church giving and, and touch real quick on, on kingdom giving because I don't believe that God ever intended the church to be like a resource hog that it's become. But I do think that God envisioned followers of Jesus being extremely generous with their resources. So the biblical standard of generosity, like the baseline, is the tithe, which is 10% of your income. God says in his word that we need to set aside 10% of our income to join him in his work. And that's like the baseline. Like God says, if you're not doing that, you're robbing me. But I think when I look at the words of Jesus, what he had in mind is for us to have this amount available to God as we go throughout the week. And then we're obedient to what God wants us to do with that. So God, I don't think that God is going to tell every single person, I want you to set aside your 10% and I want you to give it to the church on Sunday morning. He may say, I want you to set aside your 10% and I want you to pay your parents' apartment because they're on a fixed income and can't afford it. Or I want you to buy Christmas presents for the person across the street. Or, you know, who knows what God is going to call. I want you to sponsor a child through compassion, international. Whatever it is, I, I, I struggle because, and, and I think for those of you who've been around here, you know that, that, I, that I do not like to harp on money. I, I really don't, especially now because everything's going up. Expenses are going up. Times are tough. economy, blah, 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 and it's all legitimate and true. But God's word does say that we need to work on the tithe thing and we need to offer that back to God. And I can tell you this, I've been doing this now for about 13 years and I have never once, and as I stand before you, I, I have never once heard somebody say, you know, life was going okay financially and then we started to give God his 10% and now we're a mess. It's usually the opposite, and, and I mean that. That story after story of people say, you know, we started to do this in obedience, and wow. It's one of the few things in scripture that God says, you can test me and see what happens when you start to honor me like that. Um so consider that. Let's move on to the next deal. Um as we recalibrate or whatever it is you want to call it. And I I, I struggle to use that word because um, I want to talk about Isaiah 58. And I don't necessarily think we need to recalibrate as a church or refocus. I think we we are running in that direction. 2011 was an amazing year for Isaiah 58. So if you're new to Polaris, what I'm talking about is this. A couple of years ago in 2009, we had a strong feeling as a church that God was saying, I want you to bring... Isaiah 58, to Brunswick, to Cleveland, to children everywhere. I want you to become generous followers of Jesus. And I'm going to read Isaiah 58 in a minute um, so you'll know exactly what that's talking about. But um, we went from, I know, like some of you individually were very generous and out there, outward thinking, blessing those on the margins of society. But as a church, that we were pretty weak at that. And we've gotten pretty strong quick because we've been obedient to God. So let's look at Isaiah 58 here. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? So he's using farming language here. And, and, and a yoke was something that bound animals together. It was like a restraint it would go over the backs of the oxen and they would have to work together. Basically, the whole idea of like bondage, trapping. And he's saying, I want you to break that when you see it. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them, then your light will break forth like the dawn. So, Isaiah 58 has a lot of language about using our resources toward the cause of those in need. But God also says, when you do that, I'm going to heal you. Your light is going to shine brightly in darkness. And then it uses military language. He says that your righteousness, your alignment with God will go before you and the glory of God will guard you from behind. He's, he's, he's like, what he's saying here is that when we are obedient to that, all of the resources of heaven move us forward. Now, 2009, we looked at that as a promise, wondering what if. And I think what we're seeing now as a church is that God meant it. Like when God says you do this and your light will shine, God means it. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that have happened in 2011 because I think it it, it was just an incredible year um, for Isaiah 58 and, and some of the accomplishments that we've that we've seen. And 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 one of the one of the neat things that that ha- has happened is uh, Michelle Fetty, who I think. Is over there. You're headed to Haiti when February 10th through the 18th, and I want to talk about uh, what she's doing for, for a couple. And she's going to go to Haiti to work with children. She's taking Isaiah 58 to children. So there is a, a church called River Tree Christian Church down in Canton, Ohio. It's my home church uh, where I grew up, and um, about 3,500 people at that church. So it's you know a big. A lot of resources there, and and they are all in with Polaris. They are our biggest fans. They've pretty much said, what's ours is yours. We're cheering for you. What do you need from us? All that. And um, they have a heart. They have an Isaiah 58 kind of heart themselves, and it has developed in the past few years as well. And because they are the size there, they are able to send their people on what's often called short-term mission trips to Haiti, to Peru, to places in the United States where there's great need. And what I can tell you, having gone to Ecuador for a week a couple years ago, um, my life is different after being exposed to third world poverty. And I will make sure that my children, when they're old enough, are exposed to third world poverty. And you, if you've never been there, should try to get to a place that has third-world poverty because it really does change you. And I know that some of you have expressed a desire to do things like that. And what Rivertree has said is, you know, they have trips throughout the year. They've said, we'll organize it. We take our people. You can join us on your on our trips just like if your people were to go to Rivertree. And there's, you know, I mean, you raise the money to do that, but they're going, they organize all the details and if you're interested in something like that please let me know and like michelle's our new champion of that and when she gets back we'll have her share her experiences um because she loves public speaking and and um the whole sunday morning will just be set aside for you to share your experiences um and we'll market it so there are thousands of people But seriously, that is an opportunity that we have, that you can join in if if you are so moved to do that. And I hope that you are, because it's a big deal. Stories are coming from all over the place. I know there was a family here who spent their Thanksgiving in a homeless shelter. And instead of being around their own table overindulging like I was, they were serving those on the margins of society. Um, women's events now, instead of being largely gift oriented actually give teenagers some of our teenagers which was if you're new to polaris the mob that like left when mark got up here to speak that's our youth ministry and, and isaiah 58 is starting to weave through they join uh, this is uh, i'm gonna botch this story but you don't know it so you're not gonna know um sandy jenkins where's sandy jenkins <coughs> there's sandy jenkins right in the middle of it all so is today, a, is today a street ministry day? Okay. So every other week, I think, every other week they go to downtown Cleveland. Does that sound fair? What's that? The second and third, second and third Sunday of the month. They go downtown Cleveland. And they are learning the names of a lot of the homeless folks there and, and hug and pray and, and serve and, and give to those in downtown. So a few weeks ago, uh, there's one stop that they make, and they go with another organization, with other church people, and, and there's, they have this bus that they go on. And, and there's this alleyway, this really cold, nasty alleyway that's there. And um, they, they, they go there regularly and have been wanting someplace indoors, but haven't been able to find that place. Well, there's this new restaurant on the corner of this alleyway. They show up in front of this restaurant and the driver of their bus is wearing this Santa suit because, you know, Christmas time, and he's got his Santa suit on dressed like Santa Claus, and they get off the bus, and they're helping people, and they start to hear these children yelling, kids yelling from somewhere, and it's all muffled, and they don't know what's going on. Well, here to find out that there's a new restaurant here in the corner, and she, the owner, had scheduled for... Uh, some some women with young children who were homeless to come and have a meal, and Santa was going to come and visit, and, and she had this amazing event planned. But everything that morning went wrong, including Santa wasn't able to show up. He had other things he had to do, I guess, that morning. But these kids see this bus driver from, and they're screaming and yelling, and the owner comes out. And so this bus driver, who happened to be dressed up like the real Santa Claus, um, goes in and plays the role. And now the homeless ministry, if I understand it correctly, our group is invited to use this space, now has indoor space. It brought all kinds of connections together. Here's my point. When you commit to bringing Isaiah 58 to earth, God brings things together and does a lot of the work for you. And we are beginning to really see that as a church. Compassion International, over 35 children have been released from poverty. We know that 22,000 children die every day from preventable poverty-related causes. But 35 of them will not because of our generosity over the past year and a half or so. Um, How many of you... Have written your sponsor child in the past month. Okay, got got some hands going up. That's good. And I want to challenge you guys who sponsor children to write them. It makes a huge difference. I, I you know all this to say. Isaiah fifty eight is taking over the place, and God means it. And um. And I'm just I, I'm very excited to see it happen now. Let's talk for a minute about what's on the horizon in terms of Isaiah 58 for 2012. Talk about God bringing together resources. Uh, I got an email the other day from the, um, from the, the uh, principal of Crestview Elementary School, where my children go to school. And he said, I hear that Polaris is this kind of a church, and I know that there is Hope Church in Brunswick and Brunswick Reformed Church that are partnering with elementary schools and, and, and have a mentoring program with the at-risk kids, would you consider bringing Polaris into that kind of a relationship with my school? And I'm sitting there thinking, what, what's going on when a secular school approaches a church saying, would you send followers of Jesus in to mentor our children? Um, and, and I, I went in and I talked with them and I was like, listen, you know, we are doing a lot of things. I don't know if I, I don't know if we have the resources. I don't know if we have the people. Um, so feel free to consider other churches while we figure this is say no, I want Polaris to be that church. And, and so it's, you know, I mean, here I stand and, and all I can say is that it seems to me that God is working in this way. It's who he's called us to be. It fits with that. So I want to tell you about that. And if you feel like God is nudging you to explore that kind of a possibility with us, then please let me know. And I know we'll have to do you know background checks and fingerprints. But, but if our vision is to take Jesus to the margins of society... And we have a public school saying we have at-risk kids here that need, seems to be a pretty good fit. So if God tugs on your heart, be obedient to that and let me know. Uh, one more thing that, that I want to talk about with Isaiah 58, and this is probably all we're going to have time to talk about. But, um, and, and this is, I'm going to let you know what God is doing in my heart right now. Um, And then if he bugs you the way he bugs me, so be it. And I'm not saying that this is your thing, this is my thing, um, but maybe it's our thing. Okay, new book out, Isaiah 58-centric. It's called 58, taken from Isaiah 58. As our elder Paul said, oh, Alex, look, somebody took your vision and did something with it. (laughs) See the kind of encouragement I get from our elders. This is a book called Fast Living. It's by Scott C. Todd, and you should read it. Essentially, what what's becoming apparent, and I talked about this on Christmas Eve, it used to be that you knew twenty-two thousand children, or maybe you didn't, and maybe I didn't. That twenty-two thousand children died every day, and that poverty was a real thing, and we all knew that, but you didn't really have anything you could do about it. It's like you know me not eating or me eating everything on my plate really doesn't solve starving children in China, you know, like Ralphie's mom said it would in Christmas Story. But now God has people in places. It's like there are people in places to really solve this stuff. They just need the resources. And we're sitting on gobs of resources we just got to get it there. But real people, real children, really are being rescued. <coughs> it's just a matter of time and resources. So I said on Christmas Eve, 7 billion people on the planet, 7 billion people, 1 billion of those people do not have access to clean water. 1 billion. One in seven. 4,000 children die every day from water-related causes completely preventable. 9-11 happens every day to innocent children from water-related causes completely preventable. Compassion International has a bucket that they've developed, a five-gallon bucket, with a lifetime filter that can be cleaned with clean water. It will produce water for 10 people for life. It's $55. So you send a check to Compassion for $55, they send a bucket out, and 10 people who had no clean water will now have clean water for life. That's one of the buckets. And I don't know whether you can see it or not, but I mean, that's like the real deal over in those places where they're drinking that stuff. But that filter turns it into clean drinking water. Now, um, this kept me up Christmas Eve night. Because once you realize that you really can rescue 10 to 13 real people And save the lives, even. It makes it real. And I thought about, I mean, I didn't sleep much Christmas Eve night, and then my kids were up at 3.57 a.m. singing 12 Days of Christmas. It was a bad Christmas Eve night. What I would like to do, real quick here, I have some things over here that I want to walk you through. Um, I need 40 people up on stage. 40 people up on stage right now. Um, And and Mark, you can can monitor 40 people, maybe get some kids up here. Um, And just stand over on that side of the stage. Now I have, this stuff was in my office. Um, I have right here a Bluetooth keyboard that goes on eBay for 50 bucks. I have an iPad case right here because you got to have multiple iPad cases to accessorize. Um, this goes for 25 bucks on eBay. I have noise-reducing headphones because every now and then my wife—I'm kidding. She's <laughs> um, these go for about 100 bucks on eBay. Noise-reducing headphones, um, and I have a Virgin Mobile MiFi here that goes for about 70 bucks. Okay, this is about 220 dollars that I could have on eBay tomorrow with Buy It Now auctions sitting right there, okay, $220. Now, you look at the size of 40 people, and some of them are even washed back in in the darkness back there. This pile right here that I haven't touched in months would give clean water to that many people who do not have it right now. And some of those people who really exist without clean water are going to die because they don't have it. And what that tells me is, I was talking with Gene about this, one of our elders. Every day that this pile sits here is another day that that many people are exposed to life without the clean water that they could have. And we can do something about that. And with that kind of number, it's not long before you can look at a legacy and say hundreds, thousands of people are affected by us bringing Isaiah 58. Okay, you guys are good. Thank you. Um, When I think about the kind of legacy that I want to build, a, a lot of times... My heart yeah <laughs> a lot of times my heart would go toward wanting to build this kind of stuff on a shelf. It's like, you know, we want the next shiny thing, and, and But when it's all said and done, I would rather have hundreds and hundreds of people standing that I affected through generosity than a little pile of stuff that's destined for the junkyard anyway. I think what God is asking me is, you know, I've learned that God meant Isaiah 58, his part of the equation. And I think what he's doing now is he's saying, Alex, do you mean it? Do you mean it? I mean, is it just a feel-good thing? Was it just a thing to rally the church around, or do you mean it? And maybe what God is asking us as a church, you know, with so much available on the ground already to do good things, to bring Isaiah 58. I I think maybe God is asking us now, Polaris, do you mean it? And I think 2011 was a year that Isaiah 58 permeated the fabric of our church. And I want 2012 to be a year where we dig down deep and we say, God, we mean it. We want to bring Isaiah 58 to Brunswick, to Cleveland, and to children. And we can know that when we're willing to do that, all the resources of heaven is at our back pushing us forward.